Welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, he's a busy fellow this time of year, but we managed to pin him down for a few minutes. Santa Claus, you know he's written a book? Retirement beckons for Barry Police Chief Kimberly Greenwood. We look back on her career and her time in Barry. And pianist, singer, songwriter Heather Hill is bringing Georgian Bay to life with her music. We get up close and personal. But first, winter has arrived. After a milder-than-usual fall, will the mild pattern continue? Environment Canada forecaster David Phillips looks into his crystal ball, which has been pretty damn accurate for the last several seasons. David? We think that the whole entire winter of December, January, February will be that milder than normal. We have a La Nina, which is that uh, uh, cold water in the Pacific, and that's why it's giving the West the, the cold. For East, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to figure out, but we seem to get sort of the alterations between some weeks cold, some weeks uh, uh, mild. And I think the last two years, so we look at the last two winters in the Barrie, Lake, Lake Simcoe, uh, Simcoe County area, uh, we really get the real play of what La Nina is like. Last year was very cold. Uh, we had, like, just as one statistic I love to think about is the number of days below minus 20. We normally get about a dozen of those in the Barry uh, uh, Lake Simcoe area. Well, we had 17 of those suckers last year. We got down to almost mi- minus 29 degrees is the coldest moment. The year before, that was also La Nina. Well, it was milder than normal. We only had three of those very cold days. So you see, it's it's not always a, a, a perfect score that you're going to get when you have a La Nina. It could go this way or that way. We think this one will be milder than normal, although, as I say, there will be moments that will seem a little, uh, little colder than normal. So my sense is, um, hey, there's going to be something for everybody this winter. If you like winter, there's going to be moments that you're going to get out there and, and snowmobile and, and ice fish and, and ski, and there'll be other moments where there'll be January fall and February thaw, and and it'll seem like spring in the winter. And that always, I think, makes winter go faster if you can get that kind of uh, back and forth, not that kind of polar vortex arrives one day and it's still there three three months later. You had mentioned the milder fall and looking back at uh, water temperatures being uh, warmer than uh, normal for this time of year, but that's the kind of thing that can come back and bite us you know where in terms of uh, lake effect snow, isn't it? Oh, Dan, you're so right. I mean, that's one of the very, very important elements of, of these lake effect snow bursts. Uh, uh, when you have a warm air, if you can get that kind of of the the lake cooling off, uh, um, you know, gradually, and uh, then you can sort of almost uh, uh, do away with that. But you get that cold blast that we saw there in November, and my gosh, over that warm lake, it's like a hot tub out there, um, and boy, that produces the perfect perfect kind of recipe for getting these lake effect snow, especially if the winds pick up and blow in a, 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 you know, a constant direction for several hours. And that's what we saw with Lake, uh, lake Erie, Lake Ontario in, the, in, uh, uh, in Wyerton, and that area got 125 centimeters of snow, and, and Aurelia, places like that, that, that got a real amount of snow, more than you normally would get in, uh, in November. You know, when we look at White Christmas, boy, I feel sorry for the people in Toronto. I mean, they really have to pr- 
pray and, and beg and hope. Uh, it's not just a matter of dreaming of a white Christmas for, for them. But up here in the Barrie area, you know, the last 11 years, um, which is about the time I've been in the Barrie area, uh, we've had three green Christmases and eight white. In fact, the last six years have all been white. Now, not, you know, maybe five centimeters of snow sitting on the ground on Christmas morning. You need two. Well, in that same period, or even a longer period, in, in Toronto's had only about a third of their of their Christmases have been white. So I, I think uh, this is one of the advantages if you live just, uh, you know, an hour or so a little north of the city and with that lake effect kind of influence, boy, you can be almost sure that uh, that um, that uh, event that everybody really wants, even if you hate snow, you want it at Christmas Day, kind of adds a little excitement and, and mood into the, uh, during the day. So my sense is I'm going to bet a couple loonies on the fact that we're going to have a white Christmas again this year. And not only a white Christmas, but a perfect Christmas day where there's almost like a Christmas card. You've got snow in the ground and snow in the air. But hopefully not so much that it prevents people from traveling. I remember growing up in Toronto, so 60s, early 70s. Yes. Every Christmas was white, oh. and we had a lot of snow. It, it, you're so right. You've got great memory, Dan, because that truly was the 60s, late 60s, the 70s, was really the snowy decade for Canada. I mean, it was everywhere across the country. It was a done deal. Uh, it was just automatic. And, and you could build your skating rink in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to the skating rink? Somebody the other day sent me beautiful pictures of backyard skating rinks in on Lawrence Avenue. And honest to gosh, I've never seen such beautiful ice so smooth smooth, so, so thick, and just from one corner of the backyard to the other. Well, that wouldn't be possible anymore. I think this is one of the, the real true effects of, of climate change. We talk about the spectacular weather with climate change, you know, biblical droughts or floods and, and, and killer heat. Uh, but boy, one of the things that really affect a lot of people in Canada is the fact that you know, that thing that we always like is that white Christmas just seems to be getting fewer and fewer of those. And people come. They, they visit Canada this time of the year in order to have that, that feeling, that, 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 that thrill of, of seeing what a, a white Christmas is like. You know, two-thirds of the people in the world have never made a snowball. But we in Canada, wow, from one corner of the country to the other, it's, it's often about how much snow that, that we do have in this country. So we're blessed in that way, although some say that's also cursed, too. Uh, the other thing that's nice about uh, the winter solstice is we start getting more daylight. Oh, listen, Dad, I know it's only seconds, but that is so uplifting. I really, I, I think now, before you get to the first day of winter, I think, oh my gosh, every day is a little, a little darker than the next day, but then you come December 21st, the days are, are just getting a little, a little, you know, a little longer, and that's that's really that really is is very therapeutic. David Phillips is chief climatologist with Environment Canada, and not the guy you want to be betting with when it comes to seasonal forecasting. The start of winter brings the end of Kimberly Greenwood's tenure as chief of the Barry Police Service and the end of her policing career after more than 40 years. Barry 360's Ian McLennan sat down with her for a look back. Let's go in reverse and talk about uh, why you chose a career in policing. What was the motivation? Policing is a very honorable profession and I wanted to serve. 
And I also was following in my dad's footsteps. So it seemed like an appropriate career choice. And I knew there was many opportunities in the policing career, many jobs in one career. And uh, briefly share your climb up the ladder from, you know, where you started. Of course, now now chief of uh, police for a number of years here in Barrie. I started policing in 1981 with the Toronto Police Force back then, or Metropolitan Toronto Police Force. It's now called the Toronto Police Service. I started as a cadet, and I commenced my work when I was assigned to 13 Division. And my career evolved over many, many years. I spent eight years in child abuse investigations and ended up being the child abuse coordinator for the service where I developed and implemented procedures and practices and multidisciplinary policies or or protocols with our community partners, uh, Children's Aid Society, uh, Hospital for Sick Children. I had the opportunity to work in very uh, diverse communities from Jane and Fence to Regent Park to John Garland. And I was involved in the community where I was able to co-lead some programs that were prevention-focused, engagement-focused, and I also spent some time in professional standards, prosecution services, and a short time as a hearing officer. But my last area of responsibility with the Toronto Police Service, I was a staff superintendent in charge of Central Field Command, and I looked after over 2,000 police officers and had a budget over a million dollars and looked at the central part of the uniform uh, approach to policing in Toronto at that time. And I can say all of those opportunities um, prepared me for my appointment to the chief of the Barrie Police Service in in 2013. And my time in Barrie, I've been provided other opportunities and really focused on self-improvement so the service improved. When you came to Barry as chief of police, you were from, no disrespect, the outside. I know sometimes internal and mm-hmm. and what have you. Did you lay out any goals or targets that you wanted to achieve once you, you know, got to know the service and what they were about? And did you accomplish that or what still needs work? Well, in policing and in any occupation or career, there's always opportunity for improvement and we have to continually evolve. But when I arrived in Barry in the spring of 2013, we committed commenced a service review, and we wanted to review and evaluate not just the operations of the service, but the administrative uh, section of the service in order to uh, determine effectiveness, the capacity to deliver effective, efficient, and appropriate police services that met the needs of our community. So we accessed workload, resource allocations, reviewed procedures, and we made some changes as a result of that. Did we meet our target? Yes. There was more than 100 recommendations. We focused on the key ones that were necessary. We want to make sure that people are aware of our activities, that people are engaged, that we foster um, positive relationships and people have the confidence in our service. We focus on risk management, wellness and training of our members. So what has changed in policing since you began your career? And I'm looking in particular the relationship between police and the communities being served. 
We know that the community has different expectations of us now. We know that world events impact us locally. And we look at, you know, what is the best training? What is the best equipment we can have. And when you speak about relationships, I think that was one of the key things when I arrived in Barrie that that's what I wanted to focus on. And we are looking at that community engagement. We're focusing in on conflict resolution. How do we use our data and make the appropriate decisions looking at the information that's available to us through evidence-based decision-making for policing? Uh, Partnerships, obviously, in the community are very, very important. And also how we deploy our resources and how do we use that collaborative approach with other social agencies. You have been very engaged in women and policing. Um, When you started your career, the ambitions that you had, was there a glass ceiling you felt you had to break through or did you ever doubt yourself on that or was by what you saw maybe internally and where we are, you know, in 2022? Well, it's funny you use the term, the glass ceiling. Uh, several years ago, before I joined the Barry Police Service, I wrote a academic paper on the brass ceiling is smashed. And, and I can say that, but there's always room for improvement. I joined policing over 41 years ago, and I was issued a skirt. I have a, had a different hat than my male colleagues uh, wore. My locker was in a hallway, and I used a public bathroom to change. So things have changed in policing, and I have had a, an amazing career, and I've been provided many different things and provided many opportunities. But my goal right now is to ensure that I provide many opportunities to our member and ensure that our service is diverse, inclusive, and we highlight and celebrate um, those equity opportunities for for us. I can say, though, when I started policing, I didn't want to acknowledge or focus in on being a woman, and I didn't even wish to acknowledge that I was the first female chief. I wanted to celebrate that I was the ninth chief of the Barrie Police Service, but I can say I have changed in regards to that type of thinking. I now celebrate that I am a woman, and I am am a police officer and I am involved in policing. So I encourage others to do that also. Is it full-on retirement on a lawn chair or where are you, almost like a job interview, where do you see yourself maybe three years, five years from now? That's a question that I have been asked and I can say that I hope that I'm able to continue to have an active, engaged, productive and the ability to contribute um, to society, to our city. So I have an awesome family that have supported me throughout my whole career, and I hope that I can spend some time with each of them doing things that they love and that are important to, to them. So I don't see retirement as an end. My career has been significant. Uh, it's been enlightening. It has been fun. So retirement will be a transition to a new and exciting adventures that may include travel. And I hope that I can pay it forward locally to our community by using my skills in a different way. And finally, Chief, any um, parting words to uh, the citizens of, of Barrie? My 
biggest message to the community is thank you. Thank you for ensuring that you are engaged with the Barrie Police Service, that you have supported our initiatives and continue to make our city safe and well. Thank you. And our thanks to you, Chief Greenwood, for your service and your inspiration to our community. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began in mid-July, meeting Allie LaLiberty, a Midland native who has danced with the stars in Hollywood and is helping young dancers here get a leg up performing. Also met Barry resident Mitchell Hooper, who is one of the strongest men in the world, and went behind the scenes in the filming of a movie in a haunted house. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, the soothing sounds of Heather Hill and gather the kids around. Santa takes time out from making his list and checking it twice to tell us about the book he's written. Now this. It's cool to care. Not sure what to give this holiday season? Give the gift that can't be bought. Give the gift of life by donating blood. Just because the holidays are coming doesn't mean the need for blood goes away. There are over 500 appointments that need to be filled before December 31st. Visit blood.ca and book your appointment today with the Canadian Blood Services. Or take part in our Days of Giving campaign and come into the Berry Clinic on Bayview Drive until January 3rd and gift the gift of life. While you're there, fill out a ballot to win some great prizes. Sponsored by Cool FM. Blood, it's in you to give. Cool to Care is brought to you by Mortgage Wellness. Answering questions, solving problems, and maximizing your family's cash flow. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Her music has been described as life-affirming and uplifting. Heather Hill has found her way from Woodstock to Toronto to the Blue Mountains and has found her way into the hearts and souls of listeners with her piano melodies and vocals. We get an introduction through Barry 360's Will Conkin. Where did this all start? When did you first know you wanted to become a singer-songwriter? I would say in my 20s. I I had already done a degree in uh, classical piano and voice. Um, and I had taken a little break from that to go venture into the real world when I discovered songs started to show up. So I would just, uh, yeah, play around and, and the songs started happening. Yeah, it's been writing a long time. For your album, uh, We Are the Same, it came out in May. Uh, when did you start it and um, what were the influences? I started the album uh, a few years prior to moving up, like started writing and um, so part of the album was recorded uh, in Toronto with Julian Decourt at Canterbury Sound and Music Studio there. And then as we moved to the Blue Mountains, it became more of an acoustic type of, of sound. And I was exploring more about uh, nature and all the outdoor time we were spending was fantastic. And then as the, uh, you know, the pandemic hit, and lockdown, a number of the songs came out of that. For example, um, Acceptance was one of the songs and one called Venus. So a number of the songs were, were really all about this locked-in feeling and, and not being able to grieve, not being able to celebrate, not seeing anyone, the impact it was having on my kids. So 
And then I just thought, this is a great compilation. Let's put it out there with the the primary track being I Rise, which is very thematic for my current life. The I Rise concept is just through all this hardship we've all been having. I just felt like I needed to offer some hope. What maybe influences have impacted your style of music? Well, I'm originally from Woodstock, Ontario, so I'm familiar with more small-town, rural kind of living. And so I was just, you know, and raised, my mom is incredibly musical, and we kind of were raised having these these parties at night where people would come and sing and dance and bring a poem or a song. So this was kind of like an East Coast experience in a, my rural setting. And, and now I do that up in Blue Mountain, too. I bring people into my home that have a, a song or something to share, and, and we just gather around, and that's our, our way of having fun. <laughs> but house parties, I guess you could call it. My music probably has a bit of a gospel uh, feel. It also has a Celtic mm. uh, persuasion just from my background. Turning to one of your songs, I Rise, uh, what was the inspiration for that single? I was actually in a tropical place, and uh, I was looking at this incredible rain catcher. It, um, it was coming from a gutter, and it was, you know, a chain with many cups. And it was quite beautiful to look at, and I was really upset that day that I'd gone to this beautiful place, and it was stormy. But as I looked at this incredible rain catcher, and it had a rhythm to it of how the water just swooped from cup to cup. Then at the bell, at the bottom of it, there was a bell. And I just thought, wow, this, this is incredibly beautiful, how this is it's falling. And the rhythm of that water falling cup to cup created the rhythm of my chorus and I rise. So conceptually, the song is, is really about when, you know, it's raining, there's, there's still this opposite feeling of magic and wonder. And as I was watching it, the sun came back out again. So that's how that happened, and that's why the song is very percussive. It's got um, some some good percussion in its rhythm and and a, a bit of a bell sound, and that was very much from the rain catcher. Going back to the uh, the album, uh, I, I saw that the, the first set was recorded live off the floor. Why did you choose to yeah. do that? Uh, I love to perform, and like my second album, Ruby Station, was all live off the floor at Humber College in, in Toronto. I just find working with a band and being live always has more magic for me than the studio session. So that's why I did the first number of songs live live off the floor. Just I find for me there's there's more magic, there's more I sometimes have someone in in the studio that I'll be playing to and in those cases there were people listening while I was playing and the recording was, was better. What's next for you? Do you have any uh, shows upcoming in the area? Yeah, I've, I have been experimenting. As you know, in the area, things have changed with uh, some of the, the venues are no longer doing some of their music sets, but they're starting to open up, so I, I am hoping to do more of that uh, locally in my area. And I, I play still in Toronto. And uh, I'm I'm offering some living room like small series for some of my music too. And I think I I work a lot as a singer songwriter with some other artists and I placing music and film and TV. And then I have another album coming out in May. It's called uh, Twilight Mist. So I'm finishing that one off at a studio in Singhampton. The process uh, never ends for a singer songwriter, eh? 
You can learn more about Heather at heatherhill.ca, on Instagram at hillplays, and on Facebook and Twitter at Heather Hill. Santa and his elves making some final rounds at the malls and parades before taking the reindeer for their annual run. He stopped by Barry 360 to see if Ian McLennan has been on his best behavior. Well, welcome, Santa Claus, to our studio. What a, what a wonderful opportunity to uh, speak with you. It's an honor. And uh, um, how long did it take you to get from the North Pole to Barrie? Well, not that long. As you know, when I travel and, and go around the world on Christmas Eve, the clock, there's a clockwise. I go counterclockwise so I can move quicker. So that's how I got here this morning to, to talk to you. Now, you're very familiar with Barry, not just, of course, visiting the city on Christmas Eve and to Christmas Day, but you have also been to a number of malls in, in, in Barry. You have been up in Orillia. You're, you're very familiar with the area. And uh, just tell me the uh, so, you know, sort of interaction you've had with children in, in the years that you know, you've, you've, you know, have interacted with them. Well, you know, kids are so much fun. And even adults are still kids when it comes to Christmas time. They still love to come and visit me. They come to sit on my knee. They get their pictures taken. And so the kids years ago, the little girls wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. Today, they want an LOL doll. Boys wanted dump trucks. Now they want to have uh, Lego or, or some electronic device. You know, so kids over the years have, have grown, and I have to keep up with that. And Mrs. Claus laughs at me. She says, I think you keep calling Toys R Us to ask them, what's next for the kids? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of homework involved there. And how, how much help do you get from the elves, too? Oh, a lot of, a lot of help. They, they work really hard, really hard. And they'll be starting. I'm going to give them a few days off after Christmas, of course. But into the new year, I'm going to start looking and, and checking out with, with the stores and 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 they'll t- call some of the elves on the shelf and say how did the boys and girls like what what Santa brought them this year and we start to work and try for whatever we're going to try and bring for the kids next year. And Rudolph and the team are ready, too? Oh, the girls are ready to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> putting on the weight. Putting put, on the weight, Ian. Yeah, not you, though. <laughs> oh, I don't have to put on no, weight. No, no, no. no, no. You're, you're you sad. Know, you're good to go. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to eat cookies and milk. Oh. You know, and a- after my trip's over... Mrs. Claus has to sew the buttons back on my jacket because I pop a few. I, be- I bet, I bet, I bet. What's your favorite? I know you love all the, the, the treats that you get from the kids. Is there anything in particular? Well, my favorite kind of cookie is chocolate chip with some milk. But Mrs. Claus said to me the other day, she said, you go to the boys and girls' houses, you get chocolate chip, you get oatmeal, you get shortbread, you get gingerbread, and sometimes you even get chicken nuggets. She said, so your favorite kind of food is called any kind, because you'll eat anything. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, Santa, you you have written a book. I know a lot of kids write to you, and this is sharing stories about what children have told you. Um, tell us a bit about, you know, the, that experience with the kids. It, it's called On Santa's Knee, and uh, it, it's stories, like you said, that what kids, when they visit, what they ask for, what they talk about. You know, and unfortunately, not everything is funny and happy. Kids don't think they're funny. So when I say that it's an adult book, people kind of stand back and say, well, how would you have an adult Christmas book? Well, it's an adult book because, as I said, kids don't think they're funny. 
Okay. Little Johnny asked from uh, he said to me, Santa, I want an elephant for Christmas. And I said, huh. an elephant? Where are you going to put the elephant? He said, in my bedroom. And I said, well, what are you going to tell your mom and dad? <laughs> he said, I wasn't going to tell them. <laughs> of course. Well, Johnny doesn't think that's funny. He's serious. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. And did that elephant ever appear in that bedroom, Santa? Um, uh, we don't. Well, we'll keep that a secret between right, you and the, and the young child. Now, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, now but and I'm, I don't want to bring down the mood, too, but I'm sure there must be times where you hear from a youngster that... Uh, Something that they do request, and it just isn't possible. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. It's, well, um, you know, Sarah came up to me, and she said, you know, Santa, the only thing I want for Christmas this year is for my mom and dad to get more time off work so we can have more family time. Nice, okay. Okay? I can't do that. You know, as magic as I may be... There are certain things that I, I, I do not have control right. over. You're going to be doing this forever, but what does Santa do to take a break? When, when, when's your Christmas vacation? Well, <laughs> Sonny, you should ask, because Mrs. Claus, when I left the poll this morning, she said, have you booked our vacation yet? No, I haven't, but try to, a couple of days after Christmas, we like to go a little place that's warm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the cold all the time, so it's nice to sit on the beach and, and have a, uh, a Coke and, and, and just enjoy the, the sunshine and the sand. Well, to everybody in Simcoe, Muskoka, Barry and Aurelia, I'll let you, Santa, of course, say Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you as well. And a special pre-Christmas treat for Barry this week. The True is dropped by, did some busking at our Toy Drive Stuff-A-Cruiser event with Barry Police outside both Canadian tire stores in town and dropped by the Rock 95 environment for a chat with afternoon host McCauley. Quite the grand finale with the Stuff-A-Cruiser event. The Trues are here in Barry, yes, but also in studio. We've got John Angus and Colin. Welcome to Rock 95. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's man. great to be here. Well, it was postponed from last week, mm-hmm. yep. and the ride up was much better today. You didn't bring any bad weather with yeah, you. Yeah, no, we didn't. We, we were lucky today, but last week when I saw that video of the truck sliding down one of the uh, exits on the gardener, I was like, I don't think we should drive to Barry today. So that's why we had to, but I'm glad we could reschedule it. Well, it's almost poetic that it ended up on this final day of the toy drive yeah. having this grand finale we're going to have you at two different canadian tire locations uh, talk a little bit about what christmas means to you guys i mean i'm a fellow east coaster oh and uh, i know santa's dealt with some of that wet snowstorm stuff <laughs> yeah. on the east coast before so i mean here you are christmas is just you know it's it's a time of year to be with uh, family you know that's what it comes down to it's like one of those built-in breaks in our schedule you know we're always living hectic lives and traveling the globe and then you get to come home and, and chill for a little while with your with your peeps. So I think that's what it you know that's what's important about it. How long has it been since you've been literally performing in a parking lot? Uh, a couple a week, days, a, a week, week or more. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were doing some other stuff. Uh, we we busked in Hamilton uh, a week and a half ago, and that was kind of like a parking lot. So yeah. So this is not beyond the realm of what the truths do. This is a testament to you guys getting involved in the unique stuff, the cool yeah. stuff, the creative stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think you know Christmas time is is really just about trying to give back any way you can you know it's a good time to 
you know, think about what you can be doing for others as opposed to what you can be getting for yourself. And we're just trying to stay in that spirit. I think that's what it's really been all about all along. Without telling tales out of school, also as a fellow East Coaster, growing up uh, poor and bored sometimes, <laughs> you, you, you know, you have run-ins with the law. But here we are, partnering with Barry Police. We're going to stuff the cruiser for a good cause. It's yeah. a feel-good moment to be on the other side. Yeah. It used to hand. be called 395s in our hometown. That was when uh, the fine you would get if the <laughs> police caught you with uh, drinking underage. So you yes. find $395, which is a fortune to a 15 or 16 year old yeah. <laughs> but a badge of honor not that we're encouraging it in, no, a, yeah, in, yeah. in, in, in Picto <laughs> County it was also called a 395 <laughs> yeah, got yeah. my three Got my three ninety five this past week. I, I, don't yeah, know this, right I don't know if this story's going to land, but I remember we were working out at the gym at St. of X, and one of the guys, and he's like massive, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger's size, and he was one of the local police officers, and he was like in way too good a shape, like just a super, <laughs> he looked like a bodybuilder guy, right? And his joke one day to his friends was like, I'm like, why are you working out so much? He goes, you try chasing kids through the woods with a half case of beer under their arms. And <laughs> that's what he was getting trained for. So that's the kind of, that was the kind of stuff we dealt with in Nova Scotia. So this far into the career, talk a little bit about the new Christmas song. Uh, mm-hmm. For some people on one side of the coin, it's like, oh, it's not commercially viable to make Christmas music. But here you guys are with a heck of a tune. It's yeah. commercially viable for about three weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, from December 1st Short until window. Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, honestly, the song was kicking around in the bucket of songs that we always have going uh, for a number of years. And uh, I think we just decided to rewrite it about this time last year as a Christmas song. Yeah. Uh, so the melody has that, I always think of the best Christmas songs have like a happy, sad kind of sound to them. There's a sweet and sour balance happening and whatever it was baked into the melody, that song sort of had it. So we decided to, like Colin kind of rewrote the lyrics with uh, the Christmas season in mind and now we got a new one. Talk a bit about the title, Christmas, Merry Christmas. It's unique, it's memorable. Yeah. Uh, the doubling up of the Christmas. What, what's yeah. the real story behind that? Ah, I, jeez, I, just like anything else, I think it was just like we needed a title and, um, that was just like what we were singing in the chorus. I wish it was a more interesting story, but I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. think much went, I think the label was like, okay, cause the thing with Christmas songs is that you have to record them in April so that you can get it into the, like, I'm going to give you guys a little insider info on how to get your Christmas songs working. You got to do it around springtime and that's kind of a weird time to be recording a Christmas song anyway. So we did it then for release in November. And I think it just really was one of those things where the song was done and we needed to, the label's like, what's it called? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to call it? And then we just sort of said, Christmas, Merry Christmas. And that was that. Well, we've got uh, Portuguese in-laws and it's kind of a rite of passage to to extend Christmas greetings with the accent okay. kind of tongue-in-cheek. My nine-year-old daughter has adopted your song because it says Christmas twice. Okay. So she gets to happily go re- going around going Christmas, Merry Christmas <laughs> and doing great. the Portuguese accent. So I love it. That's quite good. You've been a part of her Christmas. you got to record that and tag us in it or something. Absolutely. You're going to be a part of a lot of people's Christmas, helping give kids a Christmas. Yeah. We're going to let you guys go off to Canadian Tire and you're making not one but two stops at both locations for a little yeah. holiday magic. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna busk a few tunes and, and we encourage you to come down and, and and hear us, but then more importantly to donate to the toy drive and let's you know stuff that cruiser full of full of goods. Yeah. Well we appreciate your your, your friendship and relationship helping us yeah. out when Rock ninety five has a Birthday bash, the trees oh, yeah. have a long history with, yeah. and now the toy drive, it's going to be a magical day. And since we're all about the Christmas magic, here it is. Christmas, Merry Christmas.
that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Will and McCauley for their input, to the Trues for their help with the Rock 95, Cool FM, Barry 360 Toy Drive, and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Happy holidays. <laughs>